You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. As we enter yet another spring and summer season in the midst of this awful pandemic, the burnout that we're all feeling is real. Whether you've been working from home, doing gig work, or going into the office, life feels simultaneously hopeful with the vaccine rollout, and yet so completely draining many days. And according to our next guest, much of the burnout we're all experiencing is technically a work problem, and only your boss is the person who can fix it. Olga Kazan is a staff writer at The Atlantic and the author of Weird, The Power of Being an Outsider in an Insider World. Olga, welcome to Detroit Today. Yeah, thanks for having me. So let's start with the scientific definition of burnout. Tell us a little about the origins of burnout as a concept and about Herbert Freudenberger, who you talk about in the beginning of your piece. Yeah, so um, so Herbert Freudenberger was this uh, psychoanalyst in the early 1970s um, in New York, and he had sort of this idea to open up a free clinic to treat uh, poor people. And so he would, like, work all day at his private practice as a psychoanalyst, and then he would go to this free clinic, um, like, after, like, his 10-hour workday and work even more. Um, and eventually he started to feel like, wow, I'm, like, really tired. I'm, like, snippy. I'm in a bad mood all the time. Um, and so he said that what he and his colleagues at the free clinic had was burnout syndrome, um, which basically just means like, I am too tired, I have a bad attitude, I'm having trouble sleeping, headaches, um, you know, and that kind of started like what we know today as burnout and what so many people, um, you know, could consider burnout um, when they feel that way about about their jobs. Yeah. And, and it's a, it's a, I think, intrinsic part of the American concept of work, the the idea that we work too much, that we maybe put too much into work, that we place too much importance on work, and that that causes us to to feel kind of exhausted and and uh, stressed as a result. But that's all gotten worse in the last year because of the pandemic. Talk about the ways in which pandemic life intensifies all of those things. Yeah, well, um, so one thing is just that people are working longer hours during the pandemic, um, in part because a lot of people working from home, you don't have a clear delineation of like when you should be working and when you shouldn't be. So you're like, um, you know, when you might have been going into the office before, now you're just like logging in first thing in the morning and like logging off late at night. (laughs) Um, So that's, you know, extending your workday. But also, I mean, just sort of the obvious reasons is that for so many people, you know, they've been, um, you know, maintaining the same pace of work while taking care of their kids, doing the Zoom school, um, you know, and also not having really a break, not being able to see family and friends, not being able to travel. Um, you know, it's been a lot. It's been a year of like really intensive work with, um, you know, and, and really intensive duties without any any kind of break. Mm. So um, uh, research suggests that people tend to feel more stressed out when they face conflicts about their various roles, something all of us have been struggling with, again, during the pandemic. It's a constant series of kind of dropping into different contexts of ourselves while rarely leaving the same setting day after day at work. The dinner table has become the work desk, the school desk, et cetera. 
Uh, talk about how the confusion of the pandemic um, uh, makes this makes this much harder to deal with. And you, you did talk about the hours, but it's also just the settings. I feel like for everything are scrambled, and uh, they make us feel more tired. Yeah, totally. And I mean, you see this with the fact that so many women have dropped out of the labor force since the pandemic began. It's um, almost 3 million women. Um, And a lot of that is because, you know, as like so many stories um, have suggested, like a lot of women feel like they can't um, keep doing this. They can't, um, you know, take care of kids and do Zoom school all day and then work all night. Um, you know, it's a lot to take on. It's a lot to shoulder. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people are sort of saying I've, I've had it. But also, you know, it's it's a it's a really long time to be isolated from your support network. If before you would get, you know, relief from, you know, your elderly parents or something for childcare, or, um, you know, before you would really look forward to date night at a restaurant, um, those things haven't been available to people for a really long time. Um, and that in itself can lead things to feel kind of like endless and like, um, you know, like the routine becomes sort of a bad thing, actually. Mm -hmm. I'm talking with Olga Kazan, who's a staff writer at The Atlantic and the author of Weird, The Power of Being an Outsider in an Insider World. Uh, We're talking about uh, the idea of burnout uh, and work burnout. She's written a piece titled Only Your Boss Can Cure Your Burnout. We're going to talk in a little bit about what she means by that and the role that uh, your boss should be playing in trying to mitigate all of the stress that all of us are feeling right now because of the pandemic and work and home and all of the kind of scramble uh, that those things now represent. Uh, We would love to hear from you uh, during this segment as well. Are you feeling the effects of burnout. Where do you think it's coming from? Is it work? Is it home? Is it family life? Uh, How has your burnout evolved over the course of the last year as we've all dealt with the disruptions uh, and the sadness, really, of the pandemic? Uh, Heading into what looks like another pandemic spring, how are you feeling this time around? Have you had conversations with your boss to make changes to your work Uh, to make things a little more manageable uh, this time around. Uh, Also, give us a sense of how the length of time that we've all been doing this and the length of time that still looks like it's ahead of us, the things that don't necessarily seem like they're coming back together quite at the pace uh, that we might like them to. How is that affecting your feeling of burnout I feel like some of us are just burned out from being burned out or we're burned out by the pandemic itself. Uh, As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and uh, we'll work you into the conversation Uh, If you're a regular listener of the show, you remember that for much of the pandemic, we spent lots of time talking about how people were doing, just how you were coping uh, with all of the things that that we were dealing with during the pandemic. It's been a long time since we had a show where we talked about that. Uh, This is kind of another check-in where you can talk to us about uh, the feelings you have of, of, of just everything being too much, really the, the sense of 
absolute exhaustion at the pandemic and work and family and life. Uh, we'd also love to hear from people who are bosses, uh, who manage workplaces, about how you're dealing with burnout, how you're dealing with burnout among uh, the people you work with and the people who work for you. Also, how you're dealing with your own burnout. I can imagine that uh, for a lot of people who are managers, um, this is a tough time as well. Uh, lots of different stressors that you don't normally have to deal with. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You can also go to Facebook or Twitter and put comments there. And uh, we'll work you into the we'll work you into the conversation, um, uh, Olga. Before we get to listeners, I want to talk a little more about this concept. Only your boss can cure your burnout. What do you mean when you say that? Yeah, so I think um, in recent years, there's been sort of like an inflation of what burnout means. Like people will say, like I'm so burned out on Pilates, or like <laughs> oh I'm like burned out from whatever sitting on the beach all week. Like, um, but it's actually like the definition of burnout is that it's a work problem. Um, so the World Health Organization defines it as a syndrome resulting from chronic workplace stress that has not been successfully managed. Um, and when it, when you talk to like the psychologists who actually study burnout, um, they really pinpoint work as the problem behind burnout. That like it's something about your job. It's something about the way your job is constructed. Um, the way your leaders operate, that is uh, leading to burnout. Um, that it's not really a problem with you that you should do better. It's it's your job uh, situation or the way it functions needs to change. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Michelle in Farmington. Michelle, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. Let's go to Michelle. Michelle. How are you? Good. Uh, Michelle, you Got to turn your radio down there. <laughs> I'm turning it down. I'm turning it down. Okay. How's it going? We're <laughs> Sorry, good. my kids are listening. That's okay. How's, <laughs> how's it going? Yeah, good. How are you? I'm I'm existing. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it's been a it's been a pretty challenging time. I have teenagers. I had a senior in high school who entered college, and that changed the game for her and her college year. She's a competitive dancer at Grand Valley, and she hasn't been able to compete, so that was kind of sad. Yeah. Um, I have a freshman who got to enter high school who didn't get to experience the crazy jitters you get when you walk in for the first time and the sucky feeling of being in high school. Mm -hmm. um, I have teacher friends that are, you know, that I work with that just are sad because the students aren't completing work because they can't, um, they don't have the, you know, the discipline to sit at home and be on the computer, um, you know, so, and then myself trying to keep everybody afloat, it's, it's hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, I, I absolutely hear you. And, uh, I'm glad you called the uh, to share all of that with us. Uh, you know, Olga, you were saying that this really is about work, this concept of burnout. But work for someone like Michelle really is hanging, you know, having her family hang together, you know, making sure that things work. And and the pandemic has tested that kind of work, I think, uh, just as much as it's tested the work that we all go outside of the house to do. 
Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you know, and I'm not trying to minimize like absolutely for a, for a, you know, someone, I mean, we didn't have Zoom when I was in high school, but, um, you know, I, I can only imagine what it's like to try to do Zoom high school and be on a computer all day as a kid. And um, I think that's been really stressful for kids too. And, and just not having the socialization that, you know, you would normally have, you know, not having really to be able to hang out with your friends freely and um, have those normal kind of interactions, like she was saying, that you would have as a kid, not being able to compete in sports that you've been, you know, um, preparing for your whole life. Um, that kind of thing is all is all really challenging. And, um, you know, it can actually lead to something. I mean, it can lead to depression, which is, you know, kind of similar to burnout um, mm-hmm. and can be caused by lots of things. Yeah. And in that context the sort of home context, you know, there isn't a boss to make it easier. I mean, there isn't there isn't somebody who's kind of responsible for, you know, the, the, the limits or the scope of the work. It's just, it's life that's in charge there. And so this concept of, of relief, I think, becomes even more difficult. Yeah, totally. And I mean, that's sort of beyond the scope of my article. Um, but um, I think the solution there is just, the end of the pandemic, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's vaccination and hopefully a a reopening of regular society. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Again, Michelle, thanks very much for the call. And uh, of course we hope that, uh, that things become more normal and uh, more manageable soon. Let's go to Diane. Uh, Diane, welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh Um, I own a hair salon with my husband and um, we, we've made it through this last year very successfully. Now we're starting to get busier um, as people are getting vaccinated, which gives us a sense of, um, you know, being safer ourselves as we are now getting vaccinated. The problem has been keeping everybody safe this last year, knowing that when clients come in from taking temperatures and sanitizing everything that's been, every seat, everything that's been touched, Mm-hmm. and keeping ourselves safe. And and we get so many compliments on what we're doing, and we're fortunate enough to do doctors and nurses that we can talk to. There aren't real protocols for what we're supposed to do in case of contact. But right now, it just feels like it's a lot. Yeah. And um, it's just keeping everybody safe and, and the politics of it and not being able to. T- I've always said we have the best job in the world. We go to work and we have fun. Hmm. And a lot of that's been taken away from us. Yeah. And we're just, I'm exhausted as well as, you know, my girls. And it's just not what it was. Yeah. Uh, so, so, Diane, I'm, I'm glad you called because I said we wanted to hear from people who are bosses, you know, people who are, who are managers uh, and how they're, they're, you know, dealing with this with their staff. Can you talk a little about how this has affected your staff and how you've been or tried to be responsive to the way it's affected your staff? You know, I think initially we probably had, um, when we were opening after the three months, um, you know, there was so much uncertainty and maybe not as, as much belief in the, the virus. But as we just said, well, this is what we're doing. And it, 
very quickly, everybody went, okay, this is the right thing to do, and everybody's on the same page. We clean. If I see somebody, you know, a lot of ladies forget, and they might lower their masks, and we ask them to put their masks back on, and they're like, oh, okay. We've not had anybody refuse to wear one. We've had a few grumblers, but that's all. Um, but this, my staff is amazing, and they're all pitching in and helping each other. And, and it's, we've been very, very fortunate as far as my staff goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Diana, I'm really, I'm really glad you called and uh, and shared your story there. Uh, Olga, respond to what Diane's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I think for frontline workers, like it's it's been even worse, right? Because you're you're not just sitting at home and like dealing with the stress of, you know, okay, when is the pandemic going to end? You're out there dealing with it every day. So, um, you know, there it's it's obviously um, a lot more severe for people who can't work from home, who have to interface with the public, and who you know have to do things like remind people to put their masks back on or or, you know, um, you know, remind people to keep a, a six foot distance or, mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, it's, it's way more challenging for folks like that. So I definitely feel for her. Yeah. Uh, also the politics she talks about and the role of politics in the workplace, which of course the pandemic, I think kicked the door open to a lot more uh, politics in the workplace than, than people than a lot of people were dealing with before. Talk about the way that um, the role of politics is is real in in the burnout that some people are feeling right now. Yes, I mean one way that I could see this uh, relating is um, that one of the factors of burnout is sort of like the the nature of your workplace. So like if right. if everyone sort of gets along and is like um, you know on the same page and um, you know has a good time at work, um, then that's going to create a much more like pleasant work environment for you. But Mm -hmm. if folks are like, if there's a lot of infighting and like disagreement, um, then that can actually lead to burnout in itself just because you don't really want to be around those folks. Um, And I, I mean, I do think that like having to constantly navigate, like this is a risk. This is not a risk. This is, um, you know, this is okay. This is not okay. I feel this way about the virus. I feel this way. Like those are real tensions. Like they're kind of life or death, um, issues that that people are bringing to the table that I think can exacerbate burnout if you're just like, okay, well, this person refuses to wear a mask, but I really need them to so that I can stay safe. Like that introduces a whole nother kind of um, element to workplace relations that weren't there before. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with uh, Olga Kazan of The Atlantic. We also want to continue to hear from you, Nicole in Detroit, Drayson in West Bloomfield, David in Birmingham. We'll get to you next. If you want to join them, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Call and tell us how you're dealing with burnout, especially burnout in the workplace uh, during the pandemic. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019. WDET. 
I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, I'm glad you're with us. My guest is Olga Kazan. She's a staff writer at The Atlantic and the author of Weird, The Power of Being an Outsider in an Insider World. We're talking about burnout and burnout during the pandemic uh, and how we are all dealing with just being stretched beyond normal bounds, how we're all sort of managing through the burnout that uh, that we're experiencing. We want to hear from you, especially about this. Uh, tell us how you're dealing with the burnout that uh, we're all feeling, with the exhaustion, really, uh, that I think a lot of us are starting to feel with the pandemic as we go into yet another spring that I think is going to be defined by pandemic life, even though uh, we are starting to see some changes with the vaccine, some things go back to normal. Uh, I think we're still quite a quite a ways from uh, the normalcy that would give us real relief uh, from the pandemic. Uh, the question is, what's going on in your workplace that would either make you feel more burned out or maybe less? Maybe you have an employer who's really on top of this and really thinking about ways to reduce stress on people, especially during the pandemic. Uh, as always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and uh, put comments there. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Drayson in West Bloomfield. Drayson, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thank you for having me. Uh -huh. uh, Olga, thanks for uh, uh, bringing this topic uh, to light also. Um, I, I'm an employer, and, and uh, the one thing I know is that we've been lucky. We've always had uh, work from home. Um, but um, as we know, we were thrust into this uh, because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that employers uh, need to recognize, yes, they're getting lower costs. They're, they're, they're recognizing their employees are working more. Um, but also creates isolation. Um, so there are some benefits and some disadvantages. And the one thing I know that when I talk to other employers uh, that, that are friends of mine, I, I tell them you've got to be aware that your employees um, are going to work more hours and you've got to take care of them. So they need to learn to be more flexible. They need to make sure policies and procedures are in place, not to protect the company, but to protect the employees in terms of their well-being. Hmm. Uh, the last thing you want is employees that are burning out. And the way you avoid that is making sure you're telling them, look, you know, hey, I saw you were working last night. Why don't you take tomorrow morning off? Um, those sort of things go a long way, one, towards you know, making the employee feel good about their, their workplace. But more importantly, it keeps them from burning out. Yeah. So when you have a work-from-home environment, You've got to make those adjustments, and it's not the same as being in the office. You can actually have a very productive, and all the statistics will show you employees are much more productive when they work from home than when they're in the office because they have less distractions. Um, I, I listen a lot to Kate Listener. She's a, a remote worker evangelist, mm -hmm. and she has a lot of information on the Internet um, <laughs> about remote working, but it's, it's, it's a phenomenal thing to have if you know how to manage it as an employer, and yeah. you can have happier employees as a result without burnout. But you've got to, as an employer, you've got to be cognizant of the fact that your employees need direction on how not to burn out. Yeah. Uh, so, Drayson, I'm curious. Uh, you said that you've been uh, using a work-from-home model for a while. What was it that led you to, to, to that before the pandemic? Um, I've never had an uh, office job. <laughs> <laughs> right, that helps. <laughs> so I got lucky when I got out of college. Uh, my first job was with a pharmaceutical company, which was always work from home. Hmm. So uh, I was trained from early on in my early 20s. Um, 
Um, I'm not going to tell you how old I am, but <laughs> since my early 20s that I've always had work from home. And when yeah. I started my business uh, 20 years ago, um, I kind of kept that same model because I really didn't see a need for an office. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Jason, I'm really glad you called. That's a really, really interesting perspective. Uh, Olga, what do we make of uh, Drayson's approach, which sounds like I, I, I kind of want to go work for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that sounds like um, a really a great approach. Um, you know, it, just because your uh, employees can work all the time doesn't mean they should be working all the time. So it's great when managers are cognizant of that and, um, you know, you know, make sure they don't send emails you know, uh, late at night, um, so that, you know, people don't feel compelled to, you know, respond to their managers, um, you know, in, like late in the evenings, mm-hmm. um, you know, make sure you adjust for the fact that, you know, people are kind of always on. So, you know, kind of a culture of logging on around nine and logging off around five is like, is a good thing to, um, to instill. Um, and I, I think he's, he's exactly on the right track. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, Drayson, uh, we might uh, you might have a new employer a few <laughs> after uh, after uh, talking about your work environment here uh, on the radio. Uh, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Nicole in Detroit. Nicole, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Stephen. Hello, Ola. Hi. Um, so I just had two points I wanted to bring up about burnout. Mm-hmm. Uh, one was that. Um, I did want to credit Drayson for his isolation portion. I w- I've been training in a new position, um, working from home, and the difference from training in a new position from home and being in an office, A, you don't have the, hey, right next door in the cubicle, can you answer my question? So uh, points to the isolation part, I get stuck because I know I'm interrupting someone else's day if I'm asking a question. Mm. And that, that definitely contributes to the frustration of, you know, I'm just trying to go to work and do a good job. The, the second point was um, about the technology and the expectation and the lack of acknowledgement from companies. I'm using my router. I'm using my power. I have to start 15 minutes or 10 minutes beforehand just to clock in and that's and and all those expectations are just it's not acknowledged at all like there's no compensation um there's no reinforcement for Mm. using my data resources which um i i'm kind of on the edge i've over the past year there's been twice i've had my cable disconnected because I only use my cable for work now. Right. I don't use it for entertainment anymore. Wow. So, you know, and I, I think that's, that's a burnout because when you sit there every day for 10 to 15 minutes waiting to clock in, you know, you realize you're using your resources. Now it does work on the other end when you clock out. I'll acknowledge yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but and my employer has been generous. I, I'm using their equipment, you know, minus one or two things for my convenience. Um, my employer has been very generous, even so far as giving us chairs, et cetera. So I don't want to put too much on it, but I do want to acknowledge that there's, there, that from the employer standpoint, there's just no acknowledgement that you are using your resources. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, uh, th- that's a really interesting dimension of this too, which is, Extra burdens that uh, that working from home put on uh, that they put on people that uh, maybe don't 
don't get acknowledged by bosses. Uh, Olga, this is some of what you're talking about is that, you know, bosses need to be more cognizant of the responsibilities and the obligations that they're putting on employees, especially when the work situation changes the way it has over the last year. Yeah, I mean, and this is like a, a major thing that is that, that has been covered, like in the Atlantic and elsewhere, is that you know bosses were like, okay, work from home, and so people were using like their dining, you know, chairs <laughs> and like, you know, their crappy little like at home laptops and things, and obviously like this this woman has a, a better situation slightly, but um, you know, even just having to use your own. Um, data plan or your own internet, um, you know, uh, that's, those are all things that, that um, you know, if the office is going to become the home permanently, that employers, it would be good to think about and say, like, okay, well, is this person really set up to work a full day from their home? You know, what else can we provide for them to, like, make that more equitable? Um, you know, and the isolation component is, is definitely there. Um, I've actually seen, if I may, like, offer one um, tip for, for um, people in that situation, um, some companies that I've talked to uh, um, offer this thing called onboarding buddies, which mm-hmm. is basically like once you started a job, you're paired with someone who can is not your boss, who can kind of answer those questions like, hey, how do we get an you know, email address or how do we you know, log into Workday or whatever like those little niggling questions are. Um, and uh, that person can kind of help you without you having to feel like you're bothering someone or bothering your boss. Mm. So it's kind of like an open, open, um, you know, pathway to getting help for all your questions. So that's something that some employers are thinking about and that I think is a, a pretty good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Nicole, uh, thanks very much for the call. Let's go to Alan in Pleasant Ridge. Alan, what's on your hey, mind? Hey, how are you? Are, can you hear me? Is there any callback? No, no, or, we can hear you good. Yeah. Oh, that's perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah, so basically uh, I've worked in the hospital system for, I think, well over 12 years now. And I worked at two two major ones within Detroit. And uh, I just recently got out of the big, big hospital systems. But I feel that burnout has actually been a really big thing in the hospital system. Um, even prior to the pandemic, um, you know, when it comes to getting a hold of management with like getting proper supplies and, you know, so forth. But we're, when it comes down to like your actual, like the person that you work with, your, your boss, mm-hmm. they make all the difference. Um, but no, I think the pandemic has definitely made it even worse, but I feel that it's the burnout in the hospital system in particular has been there for a very long time and people really don't, I don't know, they know about it if they work there, yeah. but if people don't work there, then they don't really know about it, you know? Yeah. Cause there's always people trying to like cut corners and save money on supplies. And so yeah. it's kind of like a very difficult, you know, situation. So, so it's made worse, I would imagine, by the pandemic itself and, and the stress of uh, the public oh, yeah, health definitely. threat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, I mean, you go from uh, sometimes, you know, you go into work with a positive attitude and you go there and you do you do what you got to do. You have to deal with the stresses. But then it's like now with the pandemic and everything like that, you have to you really have to like buckle down and you have to, you know, do everything you can, you know, even with supplies that are not there, you know, but 
it's been getting better, but uh, it's still there, and I think just burnout has been there for a long time uh, in the hospital field, for sure. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. But, yeah, that's basically in a nutshell. Yeah, Alan, I I appreciate the call uh, and the perspective. It's something we hadn't really talked about, Olga, is uh, what what goes on now in healthcare because of the public health uh, crisis that uh, that we're dealing with, and how work uh, can produce burnout in that context probably a lot easier than than in some other places. Yeah, I mean, healthcare is a huge um, burnout <laughs> locus. Um, so uh, the majority of physicians are burned out, according to surveys, um, and a big part of that is actually electronic health records. Like, mm-hmm. um, like they really hate those records, and they feel like they, um, you know, are spending too much time on them. Um, and uh, yeah, it's interesting. Healthcare, healthcare has so many burned out employees, um, from um, nurses to doctors. Obviously, it's gotten worse with the pandemic because they're just seeing you know, so much, um, so many COVID patients and, and working so hard. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm not really sure what the solutions there are. Mm-hmm. It just seems like, you know, healthcare is just this giant beast, um, this huge part of the economy. And, um, it, it seems to create a, create a lot of unhappy workers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, again, uh, Alan, thanks very much for the call. Uh, let's go to Fatima in Detroit. Fatima, welcome to the show. Hi, can you guys hear me? I can. All right. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me on. So I'm a community organizer in the city of Detroit. I work with ABISA, the African Bureau for Immigration and Social Affairs. Um, So we work with black immigrants, whether they're from the continent, from the Caribbean, diaspora. And I mean, community organizers like health workers, like we've been burnt out, like even before the pandemic. (laughs) You know, we had a tough, a really rough four years before that. Uh, especially for those of us that work in immigration. But, you know, Abisa does a lot more than immigration. We do a lot of, like, resource connection, right? And so, you know, aside from, you know, like in quarantine, a lot of things stopped, but deportations didn't. If anything, they ramped up, especially for black immigrants, especially Haitians. Um, and neither did detention, right? And mm. so when we would get folks that we could finally bail them out, it's so hard to find a sponsor for somebody, and that's an integral part of bailing somebody out if they have a sponsor. Mm. But because of COVID, it was like, eh, no. So then we had to take that, you know, risk on ourselves personally sometimes. When there were all of those grants that came in for businesses, many of our Black immigrant businesses, like our braiders in the city of Detroit, our, you know, a lot of our African restaurants, their English is not that good. There's no French mm. versions of those grants. Um, and so we had to literally sit down with folks, personally take the risk of seeing people personally and walk them through all of these different grant applications, the unemployment, mm. all of that stuff because of language access issues. But I did also call, not just for all the bad stuff, because let me tell you, my whole team is like tired as hell and burnt out. <laughs> but... Um, Early on, like I want to say like three months into the pandemic, um, our executive director got a micro grant. Um, it was like a very small amount. It was like five grand. And she was able to split it up between us. We are a small team. Mm. And we each got like around like 150 like $200 for a self-care anything. Oh, wow. Do anything that you want with it, right? And so like me, for example, I went and I got a massage. <laughs> um, but everybody, you know, everybody got to choose what they wanted to do with it. And I remember as things got really tough, 
I was like, oh, where is that other microgram? Why can't we get another one? Because <laughs> it's been, you know, it's been like over a year now. Mm. And um, that was, it was, it was such a good, especially at a time where like all of us had our pay cut, sure. unfortunately, because our funding got, um, you know, affected and all of that stuff. Yeah. And so even if we had wanted to, like, let's say we had the time to take that, you know, self-care, financially, we wouldn't have you been able couldn't to. Like, do I wouldn't it, have, yeah. yeah, like, I wouldn't have paid $100 for a massage. But with yeah. that grant, I was able to. And, it, you know, it stretched me for another, like, two two months. Yeah. Yeah. Fatima, I, I really appreciate the, the call. And I'm really happy to hear that your employer thought about the, the, that and got the grant to be able to. Uh, to make that happen uh, for for employees there, that's a that's a huge gesture. Um, uh, Olga, we've only got about a minute and a half left, but I wanted to talk a little about the generational differences here. A lot of managers are like me, Gen Xers or older baby boomers, and you've got a lot of employees who are Gen Z or millennials. Uh, that adds, I think, to some of the the stress here. Yeah, it can. I mean, if, you know, if you're from a generation where, um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of think like all workers kind of want similar things, right? <laughs> like, like mostly everybody wants like a normal schedule and, you know, control over their um, demands at, at the office. And, um, you know, I, I don't think the differences are, are that great, hmm. um, but I guess it's possible for there to be some intergenerational tension. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Olga Kazan, staff writer at The Atlantic. It was really great to have you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It's going to do it for us this week. Come back on Monday when I'm going to talk with Kirk Pinho of Crane's Detroit Business about how companies in Detroit are reconsidering their office spaces as we go back to reopening after the pandemic. This is 1019 WDTFM, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again next week.